here, and uh, I'm really excited to be sharing with you all today. <clears throat> um, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, just out of curiosity, anyone rooting for a big Tom Brady win today? One, two, so three of you, four of you, cool. Um, and who's rooting for literally anybody else on the planet? That's what I thought. And then who found out just now it was Super Bowl Sunday? Yes! You guys are my people, I knew it. Hey, I'm really excited to be here today. I, um, I love getting to share uh, with you all. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed camping on this, uh, on this topic. We're actually in a four-part series. This today is the last week in a four-part series. Uh, it's called Missing God, and it's revolving around how we can um, listen to God's voice, discern his will, um, and, uh, and find out what he's, what he's saying and what he's doing, um, especially in light of our uh, plan at Awakened Church to do a church plant here in Jacksonville in the fall of 2020, uh, which is a big goal. It's a big dream. And so uh, part, of, uh, part of the vision of how this is going to be executed is us as a church, us as a body, uh, praying and seeking God's will and, uh, and, and understanding what God is uh, leading us to do here. Um, Frank has mentioned this before, but there's a, a trifold board in the back corner over here. Uh, there's three panels. Uh, as you're hearing and listening to um, listening to God about Church Plant 2020, if there are any things you're excited about, please write them down. If there's anything that you are concerned or nervous about, just write them down and put them on a sticky board. It's going to be kind of an open forum for that. And then uh, as you're listening and hearing God, um, anything you feel like God is impressing on you, any impressions he has about Church Plant 2020 um, or things that you feel like he might be saying about that, um, please just go ahead and write them down and, and stick them on there. Um, so, like I said, we're closing out the series uh, today. Uh, we're actually kicking off a new series um, shortly on, uh, on the creed, which I'm excited about. I'm going to be picking through each part of the, the creed. So, uh, in week one, Frank talked about things, uh, noisemakers in our lives, things that crowd and compete for our attention, uh, things that distract us from being able to be still and listening. And uh, um, one thing that I really loved about this is, is uh, being reminded that God is always speaking, and he's always speaking, and uh, the difference is we're not always the ones that are, are listening. So um, being able to, to kind of still ourselves and, and listen to him. Uh, and so there's this familiarity with his voice, so our responsibility is to know what his voice sounds like. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, right? And then an expectation of, of expecting him to speak and waiting for him to speak. In, uh, in week two, we talked about what it looks like to actually hear his voice. We saw that in the Old Testament, God spoke through uh, things like uh, prophets, dreams, visions, uh, audible voice, um, things like that. In the New Testament, he added to that, and he, uh, he also speaks through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit inside of us, and then also through the actual word of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, one thing I loved about this is that uh, being reminded that God is not trying to be mysterious. Uh, he speaks to be understood. He speaks to create clarity out of chaos. And so our responsibility is to listen and, and, uh, and wait. And then last week, we, uh, talked through, um, we talked through his will. And so what his will looks like. We learned that there's three different kinds of expressions of God's will. Um, his, uh, his sovereign will. And this is the big, unstopping, never-ending, nothing can get in the way of his sovereign will being done. That God is all-powerful, that he will see his will being done. Um, and then his expressed will. His expressed will is his, uh, his desire, how your life works best, 
And so he says things like refrain from sexual immorality, don't lie, don't steal, things like that. But the reality is, is that we have the ability to go against his express will, right? We have the ability to obey or not obey his express will. Um, but uh, things like his sovereign will, you can't stand up to his sovereign will, but he, he allows it in his expressed will um, for us to be able to, to, to follow or not follow his, uh, his expressed will. Uh, one, uh, one cool part about God that I love is that even when we disobey his expressed will, he has a way of redeeming that and weaving it back into his sovereign will in a way that we couldn't have possibly imagined. Uh, my favorite example of this is David and Bathsheba. So David um, has an affair with Bathsheba, ends up having hit her husband murdered, uh, marrying her, and it just seems like this massive moral failure on the part of David. And the part that's so astonishing is that Jesus is a, a descendant through that, through that mistake, that, uh, that Bathsheba is, is in the line of, of the Messiah, which is an astonishing thing, that God has this ability to weave back in those mistakes in a way where it seems like, how could we possibly have imagined something different? It's not that right and wrong don't matter. It's that God is so good at redeeming our mistakes, we can't conceive of another possibility of how it could have possibly turned out because he's just that good at it. Um, and then the, the third one is uh, got your personal will. This is God's personal desire and plan, why he's created you on this earth. Um, this is something that I actually struggled with about a year and a half or so ago. I ended up uh, taking a lot of time and praying and saying, God, I understand the grand picture of what you're doing, right? I understand, the, um, I understand what your will is for people in general. I have a hard time understanding why me specifically. Like, what have you created me specifically for? And uh, ended up waiting and praying and, and uh, a long period of just, of just seeking that answer. And um, I, I feel like God finally uh, showed me that I'm a communicator, that God's created me to be a communicator, which is, uh, which is why I gravitate towards things like speaking and writing. Um, but he's, he's put me here to help create simplicity out of things that were chaotic or help take large ideals and boil them down into simple ideas so that they're portable and they can go with you and, um, and help unlock some of, those, uh, some of those jams. So I, that's another reason that I love giving the opportunity to preach up here because it's, it's, it's you guys letting me continue to sharpen something that I feel like God's called me to, which is, uh, it means a lot. So that brings us up to today. So uh, the question today is, if you've heard from God, if you've discerned his will, what comes after hearing? Right, what comes after hearing? Um, I will submit that it is one thing to mishear God. It's one thing to, uh, to not hear him. It's another thing entirely to hear him and choose to not obey. So that's what we're camping on today. We're talking through what comes after hearing, and that is obedience right? Are we actually going to follow something that he's called us to? Uh, in James 4, 17, it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, for them it is a sin. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk in through four different topics, through four corners of, of this topic of following God. Um, each of the four things, I'm going to do my best to help you remember them, uh, because I think it would be really tragic if God spoke and we forgot. And so part of today is me helping uh, to kind of shed light on something that God might be wanting to shed light on, and the other half is kind of an exercise in memory, uh, because what I would love to do is help arm you with ammunition so that when you come to a crossroad and you're here making a decision and you can't see the whole picture, 
and you reach in your pockets for something to help you make that decision, you're able to pull out something useful. You're able to pull out something useful that's ready and armed and ready to help you make that decision. <clears throat> so the first, uh, the first topic, this is actually the most important one. Um, if in a year from now we're talking about this topic, this is something that I would love to be just in your head um, and ready to go. And that's, uh, it doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey. It doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey. I, uh, I made it rhyme for a reason. I have a one and a half year old. So um, if uh, anyone has a, if anyone has kids um, or been around kids, so we read a lot of uh, storybooks to our kids and um, they all rhyme and they're repeated and you never forget them. So guess how many stories I have memorized in my head? All of them. They're all in my head. The sun has set not long ago. Now everybody goes below to take a bath in one big tub with soap all over. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Yeah. Um, so they're all there, right? So that's what I'd love to do. So like I said, half of it is arming you with tools. The other half is arming you with things that you can remember, portable things that you can put in your pocket and help take out at that decision point. Uh, so it doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey. In 1 Samuel, the Bible says it like this. Uh, Samuel is confronting the prophet Saul. Uh, Saul has departed from God. He's decided to do his own thing. And uh, Samuel comes to him and he says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as serious as the sin of divination and disobedience is as serious as false religion and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. It doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey. Breaking through the barrier, breaking through the clutter, understanding God's will, getting to this point, and he says this, and you kind of just shuffle away, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey. I think most of our time is actually spent in this area, right? It's, it's not as much in saying, God, what are you saying, as it is not wanting to hear the things that God has already said, right? So our lives can look something like this. So we're single and we're praying about our spouse and we say, you know, future spouse, and we say, God, who is she? Tell me who she is, God. I'm gonna wait earnestly for you. I'll wait for the Lord. And God's over here saying, hey, can we talk about your addiction to pornography first? I would love to talk about that and camp on that before we open up anything else. Because I've already spoken on that, and I'd love to camp here. And we're here saying, I would rather not. Let's keep, well, I'm waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting, he's not speaking. Why isn't the Lord here? What's the noise? What's the clutter? And it's not so much that things are bombarding that we're not listening. It's that we don't want to hear what God is already saying. We say, God, what's my career path? What's what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Like, what's my calling? What's, what, what are we doing here? And he's over here saying, hey, you still have unforgiveness against your mom. Can we talk about that first? And it makes us uncomfortable. And we say, psychology, I guess. Let's go down that path and see if we can figure it out. Um, so it doesn't matter what you pray if you, if you do not obey. Let's do this. Um, if you are already taking notes, fantastic. Please keep doing that. If you're not yet, can you get out your phone? and just open up the Notes app, and just be ready. Um, if you can just open up the Notes app on your phone, um, I, would, I would, thank you, Sandy, that's great. Um, what we're gonna do is, 
God has this way of prompting in the back of our heads um, things. Things get brought up to mind very quickly. They surface, and then we ignore them, and then they, they kind of disappear into the background, and we move on to Monday and jobs and performance and you know tests and things like that, and we forget what he said. And it would just break my heart if we forgot something that God already said. Um, and so what we're going to do is, if you can have some way of writing it down ready, um, if God reminds you of something that he has already spoken about in your life and you have yet to be obedient in it, please just write it down. Just right now, just write it down and start making a list. Honestly, if you spend the rest of, this, of the rest of today doing nothing but making a list of areas that God's calling you to obedience in, that is time really well spent. You, if God's speaking to you, you don't have to listen to me, right? Listen to him. It is far more profitable for you. to. You can catch up on Facebook Live. You can catch up on iTunes. You can catch up on the website, right? And anything it's said later. But if God's speaking to you, please take the time to write down what he's doing um, because that's the first area of obedience that he wants you to start walking in, right? Um, if you missed any of the previous service, uh, services, by the way, you can actually, we stream live on Facebook now, um, partially thanks to our amazing AV team in the back. Um, and they're also posted to our website, and they also uh, get posted on iTunes, if that's how you roll. So you can subscribe to iTunes podcasts for a reason. Um, Gisela said something in, uh, in worship one time that stuck with me, and I'd, um, it's, it's helped make sense of this for me. She happened to say offhandedly that there is such liberty on the other side of obedience. And that's true. There is liberty on the other side of obedience. And so if you're on this side of obedience and you're saying, God, I don't want to be obedient in these three areas. I know you're calling me. I just don't want to. I promise you there is liberty on the other side of obedience. So number one, it doesn't matter what you pray if you do not invest, right? Uh, I know the rhymes are cheesy. I know they are. Um, but it would just break my heart if you walked out of here and just forgot what God said to you or forgot something that would be useful at a decision point down the road. Um, and so I just love to put that in your pocket. Number two, <clears throat> to do anything great at all, you have to start small. To do anything great at all, you have to start small. Um, I'd love to share a little bit of my testimony with you guys if that's all right. So I grew up in a Christian house um, many, many brothers, and uh, I accepted the Lord at a very early age, but I had an encounter around the age of 16 where I very immediately decided that if all of this was true, if all of the elements that, that I understand intellectually are true, then it really, really matters. And kind of the way it was framed in my head is if in the end this currency of the kingdom is the only currency that lasts, then I want to be rich in it. And so I decided that I would dedicate my life to the Lord, heart and soul. I would do the hardest things. Um, I decided that I would be the Navy SEAL of Christians. Someone look at me. Navy SEAL of Christians. <laughs> I wasn't going to be a Navy SEAL, so I might as well be the Navy SEAL of Christians. So I decided I was going to do the hardest thing, which meant be a missionary overseas in the Middle East and likely die a martyr at a young age. That was, that was my five-year plan, right? So I, uh, I jumped in head first, um, and uh, I'll tell you, I have always been a little bit of a likable, albeit arrogant kind of person. Like, you couldn't tell if I was actually arrogant, pretending to be humble, or actually humble, pretending to be arrogant. So kind of just like taught, like just walk in that line. Um, fast forward eight years after that time, 
and I was in North Carolina, sitting on the front porch. It's a calm, early, misty morning, and, I, and God spoke to me in a, speci- in a very specific way again, which is not surprising. North Carolina is where God lives anyway. So um, I, uh, I was sitting there, and I, fe- I know there was a very specific moment that God impressed on my heart, and he's, here's what he told me. He said, Stephen, you have been masquerading humility as arrogance for way too long. You've been pretending that this arrogance that you've been keeping inside is actually humility and service. And you're not allowed to do that anymore. You don't get to jump past things that I've already called you to to something you think is a greater portion down the road. Um, You say that you're going to be a missionary overseas at some future date. You say that you're going to be impactful and powerful in the kingdom at some later date. And you've gained recognition and respect for that. But you've neglected what I've put in your hands already. You have neighbors and friends and coworkers who you're not sharing the gospel with. So if you're not being faithful with this in your own language, in your own culture, in your own environment, you don't get to say that something else is greater and you get to neglect what I've already given you in order to grab something you think is of higher value. You're not allowed to do that. You have to lay it down. And so I have been laying that down and uh, focusing on on what God has already placed in my hands. Um, Luke uh, 16.10, Jesus talks about this. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? To do anything great at all, you have to start small. Uh, There are things that you don't need more revelation in, right? There are things that revelation is not the thing that you need to be obedient in, that he's already called you to. what are some things that you that we can do this week that are small uh, steps of obedience that, that might look like this? Um, these aren't the most important. They're just the three that I happen to be most excited to share with you today. So the first one is, um, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that if, if you are carrying it with you, you're already wrong, right? Un- unforgiveness is something if you're already carrying unforgiveness against someone else, you're already doing something wrong. Um, it's a really good practice to regularly audit your heart and say, is there anyone in my heart that I don't, that I cannot fully relinquish my right to hold them accountable to? Um, one practice that I, that I do that you might find helpful, I'll share with you, is um, uh, it's the normal routine of taking a shower. Um, I think there's something really beautiful about communion, that it's a very like normal object, it's very normal things, and God creates supernatural things about these normal objects. And so for me, the shower is associated with forgiveness. Um, and so just as I'm in the shower and that water is just endlessly washing and cleaning and pouring, I, I think about and focus on God's endless forgiveness, just completely open and poured out on top of me. And uh, it turns out it's really easy to think about forgiving someone else if you're focusing on how much you've been forgiven. So that's the first step, is focusing on how much God has already forgiven us, right? So um, just thinking through that uh, and just kind of auditing, auditing my heart and saying, is there anyone that I haven't yet forgiven? Um, the second thing is uh, spending time in God's word. It's a small thing. It's a thing you do in the morning with making coffee. It's a normal routine, normal type of activity, right? Um, but if we're faithful in it, then we get to be exposed to God's will, things that he's already revealed in our hearts. Um, and so if, 
a regular quiet time where you're not where you're spending time in God's word is not already part of your routine, you've got homework, right? You've got thing, you've got the first step. There's revelation. And so now the question is, now that God has spoken, what comes next? Um, is that going to be worked into, into your normal routine? And then in terms of uh, church plant 2020, um, the third one is pray. Like if the only time we're thinking about church plant 2020 is when we're reminded about it on Sundays, something's wrong. Like we need to be, it's my, it's my heart, it's my desire that we would be um, praying and lifting up this, this thing because it's not small and it's not something that's going to be done unless everyone is helping. And the first part is praying and listening and seeing what God is saying. Um, prayer is a small step of obedience, but it is far from small. Oswald Chambers has a quote that I love. It says, prayer does not equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Things are broken and built up and, and uh, battles are won and lost before we even encounter them in the world of prayer. Um, number three, to go where he goes, prepare to get low. To go where he goes, prepare to get low. If you want to follow Jesus, if you are committed to this life of faith, I'll give you a hint of the general direction. It's down. It's down. It's down on your knees. It's down on your face. Jesus took it down to the grave, right? Um, he will lead us down far longer than before he will lead us up. It's, it's always down first. Uh, Luke 14, 11 says, for those who... For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This is why Jesus talked about doing good deeds in secret, praying in private, um, not seeking the approval of others, um, praying for your enemies. It's all these things that rip out pride out of our heart, right? Um, I remember the first time this uh, this process of understanding pride and, and humility in terms of, uh, of, of getting low and following Jesus. I was uh, at a church function, not here, it was a long time ago, and uh, after it was all done, the, the next step was stacking chairs, and I knew it needed to be done, and, uh, and so I was like, oh, I should, I should like, get some people together, and like, I'll be the initiator, and like, I'll be that leader, right? This is like, hey, guys, let's get this done. It's like, no, 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 I'll do the humble thing. I'll just start doing it, and then someone will notice, and then people will start following. So then I start stacking chairs, and I'm like, why do I want the recognition of other people? Like, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm just going to not draw attention to myself. I'm just going to do it humbly. And then immediately I was like, I hope someone notices how humble I'm being. <laughs> just quietly not seeking attention. It's, it's, it's like pride is this insidious hand that reaches back from the grave as soon as you think you've beaten everything else. I stand firmly resolved that pride is the foundation of every single sin. And humility is the foundation of every single virtue. Every single, every single sin on the planet is built on this foundation of pride. And so you can tear down lust, you can tear down thief, you can, you can tear down stealing, you can tear down lying, you can tear down everything else. Pride is this bedrock that everything else was built on, and that's the foundation that needs to get, to get broken up. Because as soon as you do something good in humility, you immediately step beside it and say, ha! And then that was, that was the last trick, right? Was whether or not you would, um, whether or not you'd fall for that. Um, I think pride at its source is the desire to be seen, the desire to be recognized by others. And humility is, at its source is me knowing I am already seen and already approved of. 
And so the work that I do is not for anybody else's recognition or approval. Um, it's, it's the difference of working for approval or working from approval. That if I work for approval, it's because I'm striving, I'm doing these things in order to gain some type of approval, right? But we're children of God, like we've already been approved. We're, we're approved because of what Christ did. We already have the approval. And so now from a position of approval, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, right? From a position of approval, pray for your enemies, love others, strip out pride, build humility. Um, and so it comes down to whether or not working for approval or from approval for me. Uh, Jesus talks about this. It, my, one of my favorite examples of Jesus' humility is when he was washing his disciples' feet because he washed all of their feet, including Judas, who he knew was going to betray him and be the catalyst for the thing that he did not want to go do, that he begged God if it could be accomplished by any other way to please do it. Um, when he finished, he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that I've already spoken, you will be blessed if you obey, right? If Jesus got to his knees, and got to his grave, you will too. And that means the things that, the things of your former life, they need to be put in the ground. You have been raised to life, right? Um, I'll tell you a, a secret on the other side of putting something in the grave, is that anything that Jesus puts in the grave, he raises to life in a really cool way. Um, if you will bury lust, I promise you he will raise to life something even better. If you will bury pride, I promise you he will raise to life something even better. Because every single sin is just a perversion of some virtue, right? And so we cling on to this malformed version of a virtue. And he says, if you will bury that, plant it, I, will, I have resurrection power. I raised Jesus from death. If you will bury that, something else will be raised and it will be even better. <clears throat> to go where he goes, prepare to get low. For the fourth one, I want to start with a story. It's, uh, it's a great story that I love because it's weird and it's ignorable and there's elements of it that just blindsided me at a, at a, at a later date. So in Acts, um, in Acts 8, Philip is, uh, Philip is one of the um, early apostles and he's, he's preaching in Samaria and he feels like God has called him to go down this road um, from Jerusalem down to Gaza. And so uh, the Spirit of the Lord tells him, hey, get going this direction. And so he starts going in that direction. And as he's going, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch is reading Isaiah. He feels the Spirit call him over and just stay near him. They start a conversation, ends up leading him to the Lord, baptizing him. And then as the eunuch is coming out of the water, God teleports Philip to Azotus, this, this other city. And, uh, and then the eunuch just kind of goes on his way. It's this really cool little episode. Um, not only is it cool because it involves teleportation in the Gospels, which is awesome, and it's not only cool because it launches the Ethiopian church, which is awesome, but it also, um, it, it's also remarkable that Azotus is not Gaza. 
like the direction that he called him to is not the direction he teleported him to, that there was something on the way that he was calling him to. And so my, uh, my fourth and final point today is that direction is not always destination. Sometimes God calls us to go in a direction because there's something on the way. And if we get it, I, I'm, I'm very much like this, if we get in our own head and say, God, you called me to do this, and you move in that direction, then it seems like anything that distracts me on the way is a distraction. Anything that calls my attention away is not profitable because I was supposed to get to there. And the reality is that God calls us to move in certain directions. And sometimes the point of why we're moving that direction was something along the way, right? So uh, you remember that pride that was in me that wanted to be great in the kingdom? So that pride led me to a, a school in South Carolina that specialized in sending missionaries overseas. And, uh, you know, that's, it was not a worthy goal. It's something that God had, had me lay down. Um, but you know who was in my eight-person freshman orientation class at that school? A girl named Caroline Charles, uh, now Caroline Freeman, uh, wife of eight years this July, and uh, we have two kids together. We were in the same freshman group. It was like eight people out of the entire freshman class. And uh, you guys know who my freshman um, uh, admissions counselor was at that school? It's a guy named, you guys might not know him, his name is Ian Otto. And uh, he, as I was getting up to, CIU, up to CIU, he was actually leaving because he felt like God called him to come help start a church plant in his hometown of Jacksonville called Awaken. Um, and he and I reconnected, you know, years after, uh, after Caroline and I randomly ended up in Jacksonville. And uh, he said, you guys looking for a church? I was like, that's, this is the church. Like, you come and, come and visit. And, uh, and that's how we came to awaken. That's how I met my wife, is, is that God had something along the way. Uh, and he's really good at redeeming bad things and making them good if we'll keep our head on a swivel. Um, so direction is not always destination. That is number four. Um, so wrapping it up, two goals today is to help break loose those jams, any jams between you and obeying God, right? And then the second one is arming you with things in your pocket that you can take with you. So when you reach a decision point, you'll have something to pull out. Um, so just recapping, what was number one? What's the number one point? If you do not obey. Yes. So this is for that moment when you get to a decision point and you feel like God's telling you to do something and you really don't want to do it. When you really don't want to do it. When you feel like, God, I know what you're saying. I just, I don't want to talk about that. It doesn't matter what you pray if you do not obey, right? What's number two? Yes. So this is for when you feel like what God is calling you to is insignificant and so tedious, like how you spend your free time at lunch or how you spend your morning or uh, what kind of friends you have or how you manage your time or your money. Just insignificant things are these small things that you hold in your hand. These are the small things that God is going to cut your teeth on so that when you get to bigger things, you'll have the skills to be able to, to do it. Well, number three. This is when you feel like your pride is being murdered. Pride is a brittle, brittle thing. And where Jesus is calling us to is too rough a terrain for it. And so anything that murders pride and builds humility, I will wager is good. So 
if you feel like your pride is being stung, uh, you're welcome. Like this is, this is God's, this is sanctification. If your pride is being stung and hurt, that is a good thing. He wants it to come down. He wants it to be torn down. Humility is the foundation of every single virtue, right? And what was four? I love you, Stephen. You're amazing. Um, this is when you feel like God's interrupted your plans, right? When you're moving along in a direction and he feels like he blindsides you with something else. Sometimes he is along the way, right? So if you have been making stuff on that list, if you have a, a small list in front of you, this is your next step. What you've written down is your next step. This is what God has already called you to be obedient in. And, uh, and so that's, that's what I want you to focus on today. If, uh, if you're here and you feel like uh, you have not yet placed your hope in Jesus, that's your next step. That's your first big, amazing step. Today can be an incredible, incredible day. Uh, it can be the day of salvation for you. And so if that is the next step that you need to take is surrendering your life to Christ for the first time, do it. I'm living proof it is worth it, I promise. Um, if you need help, come talk to me afterwards. I would be glad to talk. I'd be glad to help with that. Um, well, let's wrap it up, and then Larry's going to come up, and, uh, and he's got some announcements. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I pray that, um, that you have done good today. God, I ask that, um, that whatever was said today would glorify you and raise you up. God, I ask that our eyes would be fixed on you and not on ourselves, that we'd be looking for the good of others and not the good of ourselves. And God, I ask that when you speak, when you make known your will, that we would have the courage and the obedience to follow you. And I ask that if there are, um, if there are any uh, strongholds or um, if, there, if there's anything in this room that needs to be broken and torn and taken away, that you would heal. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.